You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. We have been in this airplane mode sermon series for the last two weeks. And what we've seen is that uh, with our smartphones, we can get inundated and distracted by all the buzzes and notifications and, and all of these things that, that just kind of add chaos to our lives. And so sometimes we need to just hit the airplane mode and just shut all that down and silence our phone. Well, the same is true for our lives. So often we live with distractions and, and things that just cause chaos in our lives. And so we need to hit the airplane mode in that way. And so over the last two weeks, we've looked at some ways that we can do that. The, the first week... Uh, of the Airplane Mode sermon series, we, we talked uh, about the fact that sometimes our smartphones and social media and these things that, that just become part of our lives that we see is so great, often they actually are bringing us stress and, and can bring complications. So we have to have proper boundaries in place with that. And then last week we looked at this biblical concept of Sabbath rest, that so often we live in this constant pattern, we're just going, 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 and God has called us to, to slow down, to, to take a day to rest and just to enjoy the Sabbath. And so we were challenged to do that. So hopefully last week you took a day and we'll continue to take a day just to rest. But this morning we're going to continue this airplane mode sermon series. And, and the thing that we're going to look at this morning is the area of pleasure. And so often our, our life is actually complicated and distracted by this, this constant seeking after pleasure. Now, I would say that this culture in America at this time is the most pleasure-saturated culture in history. I mean, if you think about it, you can have any type of food that you want by just driving a few minutes. You can sit down, you can have that food prepared for you and handed to you and enjoying in a matter of minutes. You think about the, the rooms that we in, we're, we're in and the cars that we drive, they can be cooled or heated to be the perfect temperature that we want. In our pockets, we carry these devices that can show us pictures or videos or any kind of music that we want for our entertainment. We live in a pleasure-saturated society. But the truth is those things aren't even the main things that we think of when we think of the concept of pleasure in our culture. You see, we have drinks that we can drink and pills that we can take that cause our brains to release chemicals that produce instant pleasure. We can have sexual experiences and pleasures through things that we look at or experience almost any time that we want. I mean, we live in this pleasure-soaked and saturated culture, and you would assume that based on the availability of pleasure, the availability of comfort, the availability of entertainment, that we would be the happiest, most fulfilled people in all of history. Are we? Are you? The statistics would show that we're not. The U.S. has the highest amount of illegal drug use in the world. Over 20 million Americans are addicted to drugs and alcohol. Over 52,000 Americans die every year from drug overdose. Almost 10% of Americans have been diagnosed with depression. Over 44,000 Americans die every year through suicide. And over 20% of Americans are diagnosed with anxiety. 
You add to this the almost endless amounts of credit card debts and loans that we live with. And I think it's very clear that this pleasure-saturated culture is not producing the happiness that we think it is. And so what has gone wrong and how do we fix it? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. And I believe God's word in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 has some very helpful things for us to see on this issue of pleasure. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to read from verse 12 down to verse 14. God says to us through his word, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you have given us truth in a culture that is living for lies. Father, we confess that, that we believe that these comforts and these pleasures will bring us happiness, and, and yet we're living in the reality that they don't. And so, Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom through your word to see how you have designed pleasure, and that through your spirit you would aim us to respond to that in obedience. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, there's a few things that I want us to see from this passage that God shows us about the subject of pleasure. I want us to notice first that God-focused pleasure leads to joy. God-focused pleasure leads to joy. Now, some people, when they, when they think about Christians and the concept of pleasure, they, they think that we're really anti-pleasure. They think that we're really against things that bring us pleasure. And there have been Christians, there have been churches in the past who, who have kind of had this mentality. But that's not what God's word calls us to. That's not what we see in scripture. You see, we see from the beginning of Genesis that God has created a pleasurable world. And he has designed us in a way to experience great amounts of pleasure. I mean, think about it. God made meat. Can I get an amen? Amen. There are some applause. That was, that was incredible. I can enjoy the smell of a great steak. In fact, I had one last night as part of my sermon preparation, so you're welcome. God allows us to eat bacon. Can we stand and sing praises to the Lord? I mean, God designed not just meat, but chocolate came from the mind of God. And you can take it, and you can mix it with peanut butter, and you see his face. As you can tell, I like to eat. But it doesn't stop there. I mean, think about the beauty of a sunset. Last night, I walked out into our driveway, and I saw the, the sunset, I mean, just the beauty of the, the orange and the pink and the, the clouds that are just lit up in the sky. You think about the fact that God made leaves in such a way that as they are dying, 
they turn these, these beautiful colors. When you go out to the mountains here in, in about a month, you see the most incredibly vibrant display of the beauty of God in color. You think about the tiny feathers of a bird, the way they're created with such intricate detail in design. You think about music and the fact that you, you can listen to music and, and it creates this emotional response inside of you. I mean, I could go on and on and on with all of the sights and the sounds and the tastes and the smells that God has created for us to experience and, and find pleasure in. And if God has gone to such an extent to create such a pleasurable world and then create our bodies in such a way that we're able to experience this pleasure through our eyes, through our mouth, through our ears, through our hands. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a thing that can bring glory to God. And this is what we see in 1 Corinthians 6 in verse 20, where Paul writes, so glorify God with your body. You see, God is, is pleased when you, we use the bodies that he has given us to experience the pleasures that he has designed in the way that he designed them. And, and in response to that, we worship and praise him. That, that's how he's designed it to work. And it makes me think of uh, this past week, my son Judson turned six. And he loves... I mean, he loves nature. He loves looking at the world and seeing different countries and the animals that are there and the, and the geography that's there. And so for his birthday, I created this, this big map of the world. And, and I painted, uh, you know, different animals from all over the world and, and some different significant things, you know, um, signs and, and uh, things that are, that are in those countries. And, and I... It took me way longer than I thought it would. And so it's the night before his birthday, and I'm like, I'm going to finish this. And so I stay up to like, you know, two in the morning painting, and, and when, he, when he comes down the next morning, he sees it, and I mean, he just lights up. And literally the whole day, I mean, he probably told me 12 times how much he loved it, and he wanted to talk about it and touch it, and, and there's such a joy that, that I experienced in creating something that, that my son was able to enjoy. Now, maybe you've experienced this with a meal. Maybe, maybe you've spent time to create a, a great meal, and you're, you're able to watch your family or your friends enjoy it. Or maybe, maybe you've worked on a house renovation, and you're able to see people experience and enjoy what you've created. But, but there's just something about that about creating something and then watching people you love enjoy it. And this is how God designed the pleasures of creation to be experienced, to, 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 to the degree that we will enjoy them and then respond to him in worship and praise and glory. Romans 11.36 says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forevermore. You see, everything was created by God, and everything exists to bring glory to him. And when we experience in this way, it brings us the greatest amount of joy, and it brings him the greatest amount of, of glory. You see, 
when we experience these pleasures, the pleasures that I described that we all could identify with, those are meant to be like a giant arrow that point us to to the greatness of God as the creator of those created experiences and, and lead us to worship him, to praise him, and to bring glory to him. And we, when we live in that way and experience pleasure in that way, it brings us joy. But notice next, not only does God-focused pleasure lead to joy, but self-focused pleasure leads to destruction. You see, we were designed to experience pleasure, respond to that pleasure by glorifying and praising God and living under his control, experiencing that pleasure in the way he designed it. But the problem is this process short circuits inside of our own hearts. Because we decide that we don't like living for his glory and for his pleasure, and instead we want to live for our own pleasure and our own glory. Is there anyone in the room who is a backseat driver, self-admittedly? Your spouse is pointing at you right now. You know, backseat driver, it's like they want to tell you where to go, how fast to drive, how you should drive, and they just can't sit there and, and be a calm passenger. This is what we're like when it comes to our hearts. We're backseat drivers. We can't just sit there and allow God to be in control and live for his glory, live the way he calls us to live. Because ultimately, we, we, we want to live for ourselves. We want to live for our own pleasure. And this is, this is something that we can even justify. We, we can even justify why we should be able to live our own way and for our own pleasure. And this is the exact argument that Paul is responding to in this passage. You see, he says in verse 12, everything is permissible. What the Corinthians were saying that Paul's writing to is, is they were claiming to be Christians, and so they were saying, okay, well, I've been forgiven for my sins because of the death of Jesus on the cross. And so now I can live however I want to live. And there's no consequences because Jesus has paid for those sins, and so I'm fine. And Paul is saying, no, that is not the case, right? That is, that is not the way it's designed to work. That's not salvation. And he goes on to say, but not all things are helpful, are beneficial. And what Paul is saying is there is a point at which our pursuit of our own pleasure becomes destructive. You see, all forms of pleasure require boundaries, now, we think of boundaries, we often think of them as, as negative things. Uh, I mean, when you think about uh, as, as a kid, what did you think about the, the rules and the boundaries your parents put in place? I know for me, like, I thought things like curfews and the rules were, were, were things that were meant to keep me from having fun. But the truth is that, that we see we need boundaries, right? I see that now. I see why those were in place. We need boundaries, because boundaries don't prevent our freedom, they provide our freedom. We need boundaries, and if we ignore boundaries and live outside of boundaries, we won't be healthy people. One example that, that clearly shows this uh, is the area of food, as I've, as I've referenced. 
You cannot eat whatever you want in whatever quantity you want, however often you want, and not have consequences. You cannot live a man versus food lifestyle and not die. It doesn't work. And food is, is the most physically obvious example of this, but this is true with all pleasures. If we ignore the boundaries that, that God has put in place, we'll destroy ourselves. And this is what we see, that, that ultimately we need someone who's wiser than us to set these boundaries for us. Because what happens is, is if we just leave it to our own decision-making, when it comes to this area of, of pursuing pleasure, what we think is good is not actually good. What, what we think in the moment is, is good and right is actually not good. This is what we see uh, ultimately in Proverbs 14, 12. It says, there's a way that sees, seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death and destruction. You see, when we look at a situation involving pleasure and we only think of it in terms of, of, of what we desire or what bring us joy, we will, we will put ourselves in a place that actually is destructive. And this really gets to the, to the heart of, of everything I want to say this morning because the truth is we, we want to live in the position of authority over our own lives when it comes to our pleasure. We, we want to live how we want to live and do what we want to do when we want to. We all do. We want to live this way, but the, but the truth is from Scripture and, and in our experience, we can't handle that position of authority because we weren't made to. Now, it's like my, my son, John Martin. He's two right now. And if you know anything about two-year-olds, how do they want to do things? On their own, <laughs> right? The three most common words I hear in my house is, I do it. He wants to change his own diaper. He wants to brush his own teeth. He wants to do everything on his own. And the most recent example of, of this is this past week, he's decided he wants to wash his own hands. And so what he does is he, he brings this stool and, and he'll put it up against the sink and he'll stand there and he'll reach forward towards the knobs of the sink. But his arms aren't long enough. And so he, he asked me to turn on the water for us. So I'll turn on the water. And then he reaches for the soap and he can't reach it. So he asked me to get it for him. And then when I, you know, get the soap off his hands, I turn off the knob. He reaches for the towel and he can't reach it. And so I get it down and, and hand it to him. You see, he wants that position of independence. He, he wants to do things on his own, but he doesn't have the capacity to do it. And this is, it's silly and, and humorous when we, when we think about this for a little child. But the truth is, this is the way we live as adults. We want to call the shots. We want to decide how we live and what we do. But we don't have the capacity 
to handle that. We, we cannot be independent because we weren't created to be. We were created to be dependent on God as our creator. That's how we were created to live in, in this existence where we are dependent on God and we need wisdom from outside ourselves to define reality and to tell us how to live in this world. And anytime we reject that and we say, no, I want to call the shots, I want to live how I want to live, it will always lead to our destruction. This is what Paul's saying in verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Other translations say, I will not be mastered or ruled by anything. See, God has given us certain boundaries for our lives. He's given us boundaries like we're not to pursue sexual pleasure outside of a marriage relationship. We're not to drink to the point of, of drunkenness or, or to, to take some substance that, that leads us to be intoxicated. We're not to be greedy. We're not to eat to the point of gluttony. And when we live inside of these boundaries, these are like walls that are put in place around us that protect us from destroying ourselves. But if we ignore those boundaries and we reject them and live how we want to live, it will always lead us to a place where we are enslaved and ruled and dominated. You see, if I eat however much I want, I will be satisfied for a time, but ultimately I'll be hungry again. And if I continue that, that cycle, I'll get unhealthy, overweight, but I'll still need more. I'll still be hungry. If I pursue sexual pleasure just based on my desires, I will, I will experience a time of excitement and pleasure, but it will quickly lead me in the place where I need more, where I need a, a, another hookup, or I need something more intense. And now I'm addicted, but, but, but not satisfied. Right? And in all of these ways, when we, when we try to pursue our own pleasure, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't fulfill us, and it only leaves us enslaved and, and dominated. And the reason that it doesn't work, the reason any attempt that we make to, to satisfy or fulfill ourselves with some type of, of pleasure is because it wasn't created to, because we are taking something that is created and trying to place it in the position that only the creator was meant to fill. You see, earthly pleasures don't last. God didn't make them so that they would. And when we try to be, find satisfaction in them, it won't work. It'll lead us need, leading, needing more and more. And ultimately, it'll leave us in a place where, where the very thing that we first thought we could control to bring us pleasure, will end up being in control of us. Paul Tripp says, a desire for a good thing becomes a bad thing when that desire becomes a ruling thing. You are always ruled by something. You, you can't avoid it. You are either ruled by God and living under his authority 
and for his pleasure, or you will be ruled by some created thing, living for your own pleasure. You are constantly ruled by something. And if that that pleasure that you seek is just purely based on yourself, it will lead to a place of destruction and pain. But notice finally, not only does self-focused pleasure lead to destruction, but eternally focused living leads to fulfillment. So just review, we've seen God designed pleasure as a good thing to be experienced and enjoyed in the way that he designed it and, and leading us to worship and glorify him. But we twist that. And we live for our own pleasure and our own glory. And as a result, we end up addicted and ruled. So how do we end this? We, we've probably experienced this in some degree in our own lives. These things that I've, I'm talking about, we've actually experienced these in our own lives. So, so how do we stop the cycle of insanity? And this is what Paul writes in 13 through 14. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. You see, what, what Paul is addressing, he, he, he's making these quotations again, and he's quoting what, what the thinkers in this Corinthians society said, which, which basically was that this body is going to be destroyed. So, so ultimately, the things that you do in this body don't matter because at the end of this life, it's just over. And so if you have appetites for food, for sex, fulfill those. Do, do whatever you want. You know, do what makes you feel good. And what they did was they separated the, the body, the physical life from the spiritual life an eternal life. And what Paul is saying is he's saying, you can't do that. You're, you're, you're one person and your body is ultimately not going to be destroyed and, and disappear. It's going to be resurrected to eternity somewhere. And so what you do in your body matters very much. You see, this concept of, of eternity is so important. And in our culture, we have, we have rejected the concept of eternity entirely. But if we're honest, functionally, we've really rejected this concept of eternity inside the church too. You see, we may, we may say, yes, we believe in eternity. We, be, we believe in, in heaven and, and hell. But it's so kind of fuzzy and, and mysterious that in our day in and day out lives, we really live like this life is all that there is. We really live like we've got to focus on getting pleasure and, and focus on, on having ambition and, and focus on getting ahead in, in this life as, as if this is all there is. It's like the, the statement YOLO that people used to say. I don't know if people still say that anymore. I can't keep up. But it used to be, you know, YOLO, you only live once. And so the, the concept is, hey, you're, you're only here for a short time, man, you got to soak it up. you got to get all the excitement and the enjoyment and the pleasure out of this life quick before it's over. But ultimately, 
This is what leads to things like a college lifestyle that's focused on binging and partying and, and midlife crisis filled with divorces and sports cars. It's a rejection of eternity. But what Paul is saying, what the Bible is teaching us is the exact opposite of that mindset is true. You see, this life is just a, a short moment before the endless existence for billions and trillions of years. The, the majority of your existence is going to be on the other side of, of this short moment in time. And so what the Bible tells us is it's, it's the height of foolishness to just live for this life and the pleasures that it offers. It's like the mentality that I had playing sports as a kid. Now, I was never a great athlete, but what I had was hustle. And I was able to get my body into a mode that other people weren't willing to get into. And I would lay out and I would dive and I would try to jump over people and I would do anything that it took. And the result of this way of playing sports as a kid was a whole lot of injuries. I mean, I have broken and dislocated and torn so many things. And now I'm paying the consequences. You see, I will spend my adult life with a body that's full of injuries. And what I wish so badly I could do is go back to that kid and smack him in the head and say, this play and this game is not that important and you're not even that good. <laughs> you see, I lived with a short-term mentality. And I didn't think about the long-term. And so often, when it comes to our spiritual lives, we live with a short-term mentality. We live like this day, and this moment, and this experience is all that there is. But the reality is it's not. And this is my bottom line this morning. This life is not meant to be our destination. It's meant to be our preparation. See, here's the reality. Nothing in this world will ever be paradise. Your marriage will not be paradise. Your job will not be paradise. Whatever experience or, or pleasure that, that, that you're looking to, it will never be the paradise that your heart wants it to be. Because this moment is only preparation for the paradise that God has designed for you to long for. And the Bible describes, it describes what we're looking forward to, what, what actually will be that paradise. In Psalm 16, it says, In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. 
First Peter 2.9 says, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. He's saying you don't even have words or categories for the kind of pleasures that are waiting for you in eternity with Christ. We can't even comprehend what that's going to be like. And, and the reason for that is because all of the, all of the things that stand between you and, and joy in this life will be removed. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more loneliness. There'll be no more rejection. There'll be no more tears. It's described as a time of feasting that is better than any meal you'll ever have in this life. It's described as a time of celebration and rejoicing that is greater than the, than the biggest and greatest victory or party you can ever experience. Designed as a time where you experience more joy and euphoria and satisfaction than the most intoxicating pleasure that this world has to offer. Because in eternity you will be face to face with Jesus. The one who made you and the one who you were made for. You see, we won't stand in eternity with Christ and say, man, I can't believe I missed that party. We won't stand in eternity with Christ and say, man, I can't believe I didn't get to finish my bucket list. We'll stand in eternity with, with Christ and we'll say, why, why didn't I trust God? Why did I think that that moment and that pleasure and that experience was so important and so powerful. It was nothing in comparison with this. One of my favorite quotes is from C.S. Lewis, his work, The Weight of Glory, and he, and he writes this. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition. When infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. You see, we fool around with these self-focused pleasures, ignoring God's boundaries, ignoring his design. And if we could only see the bigger picture, we'd realize they are mundane and dull in comparison with what is available to us in Christ. We are like children who reject the offer of a holiday at the sea because we can't give up the mud pies that we're making in the slum. Would you bow with me? Some of you this morning are 
are followers of Jesus. But if, you've, if you're honest, you're living for yourself. You, you've rejected God's boundaries and you're living as if this life is all that there is. And the call for you this morning is to repent. To, to recognize that you're seeking and searching for something that this world will never provide. And that you would run to God. That you would live under his boundaries, trusting that he knows what is best for you. And that as you repent, know that he offers you grace, he offers you forgiveness, and he offers you love. There may be others of you this morning who, who you know that you're not truly a follower of Christ. You know that you've, you've never actually surrendered your life to Christ and trusted in him and you're living for yourself. And my plea to you this morning is to see that, that he has done everything necessary to offer you forgiveness, to offer you love, to offer you eternal pleasures. Because he came and he lived the perfect life that you fail to live. He, he did not seek his own pleasure, but in, instead he perfectly lived for the pleasure of his father. He, he was perfect. In every relationship, in every situation, in every place, and he lived that life for you as your substitute. And then he didn't seek the pleasure of his body, but instead he allowed his body to be beaten and spit upon and nailed to a cross. And ultimately he died in your place taking the punishment and the penalty for every time that you live for your own momentary pleasure instead of the pleasure of God. But death could not hold him, and so three days later, he rose from the grave. And what he offers to you this morning is that if you will turn from your sin and trust in him, he will wipe your sins away. He will forgive you, and he will give you his grace. If you've never trusted in Christ and you want to talk to someone about this this morning, please go to the care and prayer room. There are people there who would love to talk to you about how you can trust Christ today. But my plea would be, don't run away from God. Don't run away from your creator. Run to him. And know that in his arms, you'll find forgiveness and grace and love and pleasures forevermore. Father, we thank you that though we reject you, though we reject your boundaries, though we live for ourselves, that you did not leave us to ourselves, but you sent Jesus to live sinless life in our place, to die on the cross for our sins, and then to rise from the dead. And we thank you for the offer of forgiveness and love, and we look forward to, we long for the eternal pleasures that await us in him. It's in his name we pray.
Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.